Welcome into the Off the Post podcast. I'm Nick Devalio with my co-host Lucas Tashi. Today we talk about El Clasico, two five nothing beatdowns of two big clubs, and then we get into some results of the weekend and we talk about the resurgence of a old hero. We hope you guys enjoy the show. Welcome in everybody. We got a nice episode for you today, Lucas. How is everything going with you? Horribly, just horribly. Like uh, I don't know what else to say. I'm a broken man. Um, I am a broken man. It's uh, it's one one day after another with United, one match after another. I guess we'll just get into it. Uh, yeah, sure. let, let, let's just go straight into it. Talk about the elephant in the room. United got obliterated by Liverpool 5-0. Uh, you have Salah scoring a hat-trick, Nabi Keita and Diogo Jota adding to it. It was just embarrassing. They just looked like schoolboys out there compared to Liverpool, who were just dominating. And we knew this would happen. You saw their result against Atalanta, and you just knew it wasn't sustainable. You knew they couldn't come back against Liverpool. And if Liverpool uh, played in Atalanta's place on Thursday, it would have been 5-0 at halftime. We saw it on Sunday, 4-0 at halftime. United are just not good. And they have no identity, and this all goes back to Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, who is on the hot seat right now. I am so surprised he didn't get let go after that match. Me too. Like, what's one game going to do? What is one game against Tottenham uh, and then Atalanta and then Man City going to do? Like, just hire somebody else who can take these players to the next level. Because he... And I mentioned this on the previous podcast. He favorites players. He will continue to play Harry Maguire, even though Harry Maguire has been horrible the last few weeks. He will continue to play Fred and McTominay, even though they do not work well together. He will continue to play Shaw, even though he's out of form right now. And we have guys that can replace them. We have, give Donny Van de Beek a chance. Give Alex Tellez a chance. Give uh, Eric Bailly a chance. Yes, Bailly's always injured, but he's healthy right now. Let him play. What's the worst that could happen, you know? Bailly's good, too. He's just always hurt. Exactly. And it's just frustrating. It's, but to tell you I was surprised by the result would be a lie. Because genuinely was not surprised. No. No, I agree with you. Uh, I mean, we both saw Liverpool winning. I, I agree with your point, too. Like, what's the result against Tottenham going to do? Because, I I mean, I expect them to win that game. But that's not really a testament to United. That's a testament to how bad Spurs are this year. So, I, I mean, I expect them to win that game. And they could be Atalanta again. But, you know, people saying that he he's back and everything like that. Like, even if they finish fourth, right? I, I feel like they'll finish well off fourth uh, or well off third place if they were because Chelsea, Liverpool, and Man City are just above everyone else right now. So, I mean, if I'm Manchester United and I'm I'm barely qualifying for fourth or missing out even on the Champions League to West Ham, right, uh, I, you have no other option but to let him go. And I think the only way to save your season right now to to solidify yourselves into the top four is to get rid of him because – Listen, there's a chance he makes it, right? There's a chance he makes it, but uh, the squad standard that they have, it's not 
just a fourth place squad. It's competing for titles. It's one thing to finish fourth and to finish four points off and yeah. to fourth and to be 15 points off. You know what I mean? It's totally oh. different. Yeah, totally different. If he was to finish fourth and he was to be in the mix of the title race, then he deserves to stay. Like you have nothing to say. Okay, like maybe one or two results could have gone our way and we would have been champions. But in this case, it's very clear they're not going to win the title anymore, even though we both expected them to be in the mix early on, given the talent that they have. I also they they have the talent now. They got Jaden Sancho from Dortmund. They got Rafael Varane. Yes, Varane has been injured, but Jaden Sancho hasn't been getting minutes. He like, hasn't been. Yeah, don't, hasn't done anything really with even with the minutes he's he's had. He's like he's not used correctly. Exactly. He's played on the left wing, but he performs better on the right wing. And he is a player that needs to start over the likes of a Greenwood to give Ronaldo opportunities. He is a playmaker. Greenwood and Ronaldo have the same mentality, but Oli is just set on, oh, let's play Greenwood and Ronaldo together and Rashford on the left. Three guys who play the same exact way. They are head focused on scoring. They don't necessarily care to assist or playmake. And it, it just doesn't work out. You need a playmaker. Yeah, I agree. And and like like we've said time and time again, yes, they need a defensive midfielder, a, a better defensive midfielder than McTominay or Fred. But that's not an excuse to keep them from contending. Listen, like if you bring in another one, if they had one, right, if they, let's say, and they, Kevin Vinga was never going to go, right, but if he was to go... They would be the favorites because on paper their their team has no holes and you trust them more like in terms of star talent, right? So yep. I, I just feel like uh, I feel like it's not an excuse and uh, I agree with you. And on the flip side, you know we uh, we kind of look at Liverpool and the form they're in and they're they're doing crazy crazy work. I mean their result against you guys just a total beatdown. Uh, it's we don't talk about them enough because, you know, we expect them to continue to do great things. They're the only team that's unbeaten so far in the Premier League. They've scored the most goals with 27. They've only conceded six, right? So they, they're just, they've just they just been just as incredible at, uh, as Chelsea and, and as Man City. You know, they've drew, they drew two games, but they're picking up form because I felt like they had a slower start to the season uh, with, you know, with the draws. But I think I think you know I look at Liverpool and their schedule. They're gonna play Brighton tomorrow, right? Then they play West Ham, Arsenal, Southampton, Everton, Wolves, Aston Villa, Newcastle, Tottenham again, Leeds. You know this schedule is so set up for them to to run the table and to continue the great form that they've started. So I just expect them to continue to be in the conversation and if anything, possibly overtake Chelsea for first. I, I agree with that, and I think the issue with with Liverpool before the season when I was thinking about them was, can they stay healthy? Because you saw them last year, if they lost one or two players, they weren't able to compete at the top. They lost Van Dyke, huge loss. They weren't able to compete at the top. But this year, you can see that even with some of the injuries, like Andy Robertson got hurt, they were able to swap in uh, Tamikas uh, in left back. You had Diogo Jota get hurt. Roberto Firmino stepped in. Um, now, if Van Dyke were to get hurt, they have the depth at center backs to be able to uh, swap them in. So I think they do have a, a great chance. 
And the result against United is not to take away from Liverpool because they were far and away the better team. They were tactically so sound, tactically so disciplined, and they were the better side. And you've seen this against results such as uh, Atletico in the Champions League. They've won, they won against them. You saw that against uh, Chelsea where they drew 1-1. Um, you see them perform well. They are a really good team, and that's a testament of Jurgen Klopp as a coach. And also, in my opinion, they have the best player in the world right now or the most informed player in the world right now because Mo Salah is just scoring goals left and right. Yeah, yeah, he's he's been incredible. And, you know, when you have a, a squad that's always as world-class as, like, Liverpool's has been since Klopp took over, you don't need to have a big window, right, like Man United did or Arsenal did. You only need, like, one or two signings. And their biggest weakness last year, was it was clear, it was their center-back depth. And by signing Kanate, right, you have him, you have Van Dyke, you have Joe Gomez, you know, like you, I can go on and on, Joel Matip, like they're deep now on the defensive side of the, the ball. So they're going to do really well in terms of their depth and attacking options. I mean, Salah, I know you, you're not huge on Firmino as you are on Salah and Mane, but Firmino as well, Diego Jota, they have options going forward and then, and then in the center of the midfield too. That pass that Henderson made was one of the best passes I've ever seen. Uh, just like a long ball perfectly delivered to Salah for him to score that goal. It's incredible. I, and I mean, that just is a testament to him because every mm-hmm. year they talk, about, <laughs> they talk about him leaving. Like, when is he going to leave and stuff? But he's just been always world class since he moved from Sutherland. And it's crazy, right? Because he wasn't. He was signed, I think, when Brendan Rodgers was the manager, or if not, slightly before then, like in 2011. And you you would think that, you know, you look at him, you don't think of him as being one of those quality midfielders, but he is. He is. Yeah. He, he does a good job of what the manager asks him to do. He is very, very disciplined, and and that's the, the respect managers need from players, and that's on the flip side, with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, I don't know if Ole has the respect that other top managers like Tuchel, like Klopp, um, like Pep get. And for a team like Man United, to be a manager for Man United, you need that respect. It seems like a lot of the players see Ole as a peer when you have players like Tom, he- Tom Heaton, Cristiano, they all played with Ronaldo. And you have Michael Carrick, who is an assistant uh, coach, but he's not as old. He's not. He's roughly the same age as some of the some of the players on the first side. Yeah. Some of the players played with him, so it's things like that where you have the other managers of the other teams. They really are. Uh, they really get the respect from their players, and then that turns into results because the players are more disciplined. They aren't worried that their position is going to be dropped. Whereas uh, in United, they know they're, if you mess up, like Harry Maguire messed up against Leicester significantly. All four goals were his fault. He wasn't dropped. Yeah. Not dropped against Atalanta, not dropped against uh, Liverpool. It, it's things like that, you know? Yeah, I agree. I want to transition to the other beatdown that happened uh, midweek. Which uh, I we saw Liverpool and Man United coming. I don't think anyone saw 
Mönchengladbach beating Bayern Munich 5 nothing in the DFB Pokal. People would probably hear that and be like, oh, Bayern Munich played their their weaker lineup. Uh, no, they played Lewandowski, Sané, Muller, Narby, Goretzka, Kimmich, Upamecano, Pavard, Hernandez, Davies, and Neuer. So basically, their best starting 11. Yeah, yeah. their best team. And I think uh, if... I'm going off of what I remember seeing. Uh, the thing that really set up Bayern to fail was right in the beginning, launching Gladbach scored two goals within like the first 15 minutes. So when something like that happens to them, they're obviously Bayern's going to want to press forward, right? So that happens, and then they score a penalty. I think in the the 21st minute too. So you're down three nothing after 21 minutes, right? And then you end up having to play on the attack and it's it's just essentially impossible to come back from something like that right no no matter how you look at the stats if you're down 3 nothing after within like the first 30 minutes it's so it's it's almost impossible to get back into the game and then Bayern continued to press and then they conceded two goals the rest of the game and that's how the result ended up happening yeah and that's a huge result for Gladbach cuz i feel like Bayern has always won the DFB Pokal or they've always at least reached the finals. This is a huge result for uh, Gladbach. Uh, putting five past Neuer, one of yeah. the best goalkeepers in the world, is an astonishing feat. But to your point, a lot of it has to do with getting those two goals early to Bayern, uh, to Gladbach against Bayern, and then uh, counter, counter, counter. That's what you got to do because they're going to keep pressing, trying to get the goals, and you have open space behind. And uh, they put it to perfection. So I think this is a little flaw in Bayern, I guess. Just score early for the opposing team. Score early and maybe you can get a chance of beating them. I guess yeah. they're more flawed than we expected. For sure. And I think if you, the the biggest flaw happens with uh their their left and right backs, right? You have you have uh, Alfonso Davis and when he, and Pavard and when they they go up, right? That, that leaves them susceptible to the back. And both of them like to attack. And I like both of them, right? But I think there's some there's some things that they can look at to improve there. And I just read it. It was uh, Upa Mikano's birthday. <laughs> and yeah, it's so brutal. That's a birthday you're never going to forget. Um, yeah, just absolutely tough. But you know what? Freak nights like this happen. I mean, they lost to, uh, I think, a team in the fifth division last year on PKs in the same tournament. I think that's why uh, Dortmund ended up winning it because they didn't end up playing Bayern. So, uh, you know, freak things like this can happen. I chalk this up as a bad result. Mönchengladbach always plays them really well for some reason, and uh, we'll see. I mean, I'm sure they're going to smash Union Berlin tomorrow, so that'll be fun to watch. Uh, and then th they'll go from here. I don't think this impacts them uh, in any way. It's just interesting to see a team get blown out like that, like Bayern, where we talked about them as the best team probably in the world on par with Real Madrid uh, in terms of form and how they work. You know, Bayern's probably far and away the best right now. Yeah, and I fully expect Bayern to bounce back from this. Um, in the league coming up this weekend, I fully expect them to just smash whoever they're facing. I I'm not sure who they are. Let me just quickly check. Um, in Berlin. Huh? They're playing Union Berlin. Fully expect Bayern to put seven past them. Uh, so <laughs> going past that, right, we talked about these two blowouts. Uh, do you want to talk about El Clasico and then uh, some of the stuff that happened midweek? Yeah, let's do it because I think that's a good segue uh, with El Clasico 
into some of the results in La Liga um, and some of the biggest news that went on. So, Nick, go ahead. Take it away. What happened on Sunday morning? Okay, cool. So uh, what ended up happening was uh, Barcelona and Real Madrid played in the Clasico. Uh, so Real Madrid ends up winning uh, really 2-1, uh, but it was 2-0, and then Barca scored at the, the absolute last minute to, to take the result uh, to make it seem closer than what it actually was. To give them credit, honestly, it was it was a tight game. Like it was a very tight game, and I would say during the first half, uh, even though they were down, they did outplay us. Like I, I did feel that way. Uh, they had they had some chances. I mean, Dest missed like a wide open shot that could have changed the perspective of the game, and then literally right after that, Alaba scores a banger of a goal, and that puts Real Madrid in front and in the driver's seat. And then Lucas Vasquez scores in the 94th, followed by Aguero scoring his first goal. I think for them. So, I mean, that, that result, uh, it's a result we both expected to happen. We both expected Real Madrid to win, mm-hmm. uh, given, given just how, how Barcelona has been. Uh, but you know, that's the thing that that's super interesting about this is, uh, after that happens, they choose not to, to sack Komen, which I don't think that's the result to sack him for because they did play pretty well. They played really pretty well. Uh, However, what ends up happening midweek is Barcelona loses to uh, they lose to Valcano and Falcao scores, and basically that's the result that ends up getting him sacked. Right? Uh, I just read before we even started that Laporta says that they should have sacked him sooner. I mean, yeah, like you figured, but I just don't see uh, I don't see really like any reason why he should have stayed on to start the season. You could have had a reset and had a fresh start and not had him around, especially when it was widely reported and well-known that they didn't want him anyway. They didn't yeah. want him. So it just, it just makes more sense uh, for me to, to see them have to part ways amicably rather than have him be the, you know, kind of like the scapegoat in the situation. I mean, don't get me wrong. He was not a good coach. Like, he's not a good coach. Uh, you know, did, did he deserve to get treated that way? I mean, he's kind of not a good person either. So like possibly, but I think in terms of what Barcelona does going forward, I think whoever they, they choose, right. I don't know if they'll be able to fix this situation right now. Yeah. I, I, I agree with that. And, but two things to, to call out here. The first thing is, on Sunday, like you said, Barcelona was dominating that first half. If Des scores that goal, it's a completely different game. And then even after Alaba scores, uh, Pique had a chance off a corner, and he just glances the header by the post. If yeah. he ties that game up, completely different game as well. Um, I think Barcelona actually played better than expected, a lot better than expected, and they had a lot of a lot of good chances that. It, it could have gone either way. And that's where you need luck for within soccer because it's such a low-scoring game. Unfortunately, they were unlucky that day. Um, and then the second one, second result, is they had a penalty against Rayo and Memphis Depay missed. That was in the 75th minute or so. If that goes in, that's a game-changer. That's a momentum-changer. And then they can go go on to win the game. That's another thing that's it's either luck or skill, whatever it may be. 
But those two results, I think those two results were meaningless because Coleman would have been sacked no matter what. If they won either game, they he would have been sacked. He yeah, should have been yeah. sacked, like you said, before the season. Yeah. Like right before the season because they have the tools or they have some of the quality of the players. But they, he should have been sacked before the season because they didn't want him anyways – and like you said, Laporta said he should have been sacked sooner. He shouldn't have even been able to manage the um, manage against Real Madrid. This has been six months coming, and I'm seeing on Twitter Manchester United fans saying, "Oh, this is how a club uh, a club is managed. Oh, they sack a manager after consecutive losses." But like, no, he should have been sacked months ago. Like, yeah. they're doing the same thing to Oli now as Barcelona did to uh, Coleman. And, yeah, it, it it sucks. You don't want a manager to get sacked, but it, it needs to happen because they weren't getting results. They weren't looking good. Even in the Champions League, they only have three points, and it was uh, a 1-0 victory against, uh, I forget who it was, but it was a 1-0 victory, and they only have one goal scored in the Champions League. Like it's it's horrible results, and it and the football is also not good. Yeah. So uh, well, the main thing they care about it's not it's not any there's no quality of play at all. And I mean, I look back I look back on uh, when they let go of Ernesto Valverde and they replaced him with Kiki Sentien, and I was like, well, they're not gonna they're not gonna upgrade, and it's it's clear that they have not upgraded. It's clear to me that even though he had his criticisms on how he played. Right, because they didn't play attacking football. It wasn't. It wasn't pretty to look at. This was a guy who got results for them, and they're way worse off ever since they decided to to fire him. Uh, Yeah, and they've clearly not upgraded the last two times. And I'm not sure the next manager that they appoint will be an upgrade, right? Because they want Javi to to be the coach. Uh, I'm not sure he's going to be good. You know, I I just think that this situation is not going to merit. Barcelona getting better anytime soon until two or three years passes by and their salary opens up and then they're able to showcase their youth more and to to play more freely. I just feel like there's just kind of like this uh, suffocating feeling when it comes to them. You know what I mean? And we'll see what happens from here. But they have not been impressive. Uh, you know, Real Vallecano, they should expect to win that game, but they're fifth, right? So... And Barcelona's ninth, and they've lost. Uh, they've lost three out of four. So there's that. Before we move on, right? And I talked oh, about. No, sorry, I just want to. I, I just want to say something on Xavi, and okay. and something that I would suggest Barcelona doing. They need to look four or five years down the line right now, because yeah. they have a lot of quality young talent. They have uh, Gavi. They have Antu Fati. They have Pedri. Um, a lot. Eric Garcia, who's still young. A lot of young talent. I. Th- think they need to get Xavi in now and he's the most likely candidate to go in but I think he needs to come in now because he needs the experience within La Liga I think they need to scrap two years they know they won't win for two years unfortunately it's Barcelona they want to win all the time but they won't win for two years and uh try to play for the future and you can see what they did in the mid-2000s when they brought Pep in and he he led to the side getting into the sixth tuple and like they he got a really strong team out of that. 
like those kinds of players were still think of Xavi, Iniesta, Busquets, Messi. They were still young at the time. Um, some of them not as uh, elite as they were with Pep, but he brought them into stardom. And yeah. I think that's what Xavi can do with these players, potentially. I'm not exactly sure how he can do as a man manager, but as a tactical manager, uh, uh, he's done some decent stuff in the Saudi league. Again, Saudi league, you don't know that uh, much about it. But it, it's something that he needs to do with getting that exposure, getting the experience to bring these players to the next level. And I think they just need to scrap for two years. Yeah, if, they, if they're willing to give him time, then I think my opinion on that will change for sure because they, they may have to re, uh, they may potentially miss out on the Champions League this year, to be quite honest. I mean, I'm, I know that's so hard uh, to hear initially and people are like, what are you talking about? If I mean, if Javi comes in and he, any manager comes in and they get results because the squad is capable of making fourth or even third, then then that's a credit to them, right? But I'm just looking at the teams right now. Real Sociedad, they're they're top of the table, uh, with a with a one game over Real Madrid, right? And Sevilla, uh, and Real Betis. To be honest, Real Betis is only three points, but they play the same amount of games. Uh, here, right? Like I just have to go into this. Real Sociedad has been super impressive. I've watched them play against Atletico. They drew. They've been really impressive. Uh, I like Alexander Isaac. I have for for a couple of seasons. He's had an incredible breakout year this year. Real Madrid is is obviously the favorite to win it this year. Sevilla, Real Betis have both been impressive this year too with how they've played. Atletico has fallen off of form, right? But they're they're in sixth right now, but they're falling off of form. I just gave like five teams uh, just now that could potentially qualify for for the Champions League, right? And I just think that uh, it'll be very difficult for Barcelona for whoever comes in. Is it impossible? I don't think so. I think, but right now, if you had to give me odds, I give it like 50-50 right now. Yeah. 50-50, they make it or they don't. Yep, yep, definitely. And that's why maybe get Xavi in. Let him get the experience. For sure. Because if you're not going to make it, it'll be a good year for him to to learn on the job. I agree with that. Exactly. Uh, Before we go off of La Liga, I do want to give a shout out to uh, Radamel Falcao, right? So he uh, he's the hero that I referenced because he scored the the winning goal against Barcelona. This guy, like I just want to I just want to talk about it for a little bit because he's had such a great story to his career. You know, when he played for Atletico uh, for the the amount of time that he did, uh, I think it was like two years, right, Lucas? I looked at him as like one of the three best offensive players in in the world. Where it was him at some point, it was it was Ronaldo, and it was Messi. Like for for the year that he had with Atletico before he moved to uh, to Monaco, uh, let me just read this to you. So he played he played in 34 games both ga- seasons. He scored 24 and 28 goals, 36 goals in 50 games his first season, and then he scored of uh, 34 and 41. And I think they won the the Europa League where he went off that year and he scored 12 goals in the in the Europa League campaign. So he was and I mean this is the thing he was incredible for Atletico in La Liga and after that his career has kind of been whatever. Like Monaco he had a great run, but then he went to Man United on loan and Chelsea on loan during his time at Monaco, as you know, and uh, he was not good really either of those times in the Premier League. And then he moved on to Galatasaray 
and was kind of in no man's land. This guy's like 35 years old, right? He uh, he signed with uh, Rayo Vallecano after Galatasaray, of all teams, terminated his contract, like did not want him, and he didn't want to be there anyway. Uh, he didn't have a good season because he was hurt. Like he, That's been the, the thing that's plagued him is his injuries. But when, once he signed with Vallecano, he scored four. Uh, he scored four goals in five games, essentially. I think they're playing, uh, they played like just now or or they're playing like very recently, maybe six games. I don't, I don't really remember. Uh, but I'm just, I'm just been so impressed with him. And uh, he's been kind of like the, I don't know, like the NFL's, La Liga's version of like comeback player of the year. So I just want to give him a shout out. Yeah. And that, that goal that he took on uh, Wednesday against Barcelona was Perfectly done. Uh, it really was uh, incredibly done. Um, he got a through ball in. He cut back to his left foot uh, and then just slotted it right home. It, it, it was superb. Yeah, for sure. I, I mean, I can't, I can't. I'm just, I've been so happy for him, to be honest. I know he played for Atletico, but it's been tough for him. Uh, and he deserves, uh, he deserves better, for sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely. All right, Lucas, uh, I want to kind of get into uh, games you're looking at, and then we'll do locks uh, of the week, our favorite gambling bets, and then we'll we'll end the podcast. So going into uh, the matchups we want to talk about, right, uh, <laughs> I want to start with Serie A. Cause okay, good, Syria. good. I had that open. Okay, you had that one. Uh, did you have – so I know you have Roma-Milan, that, so that's yeah. a – that's an interesting one because uh, Roma has been kind of like, what's going on? Milan's won like, I don't know. I, it's listed at like five games in a row, but it's probably more than that. Uh, yeah, they've been on they've been on quite the run in Serie A. Uh, they drew with Juve in like August 23rd, and they've won every single game in the league that, you know, so far this year. Their yeah. bottom champions league but like they don't care about champions league it seems like it seems like they're trying to win and uh napoli too they they drew their first game like a couple of games ago uh but they're both sitting on top with 28 points so it looks like it's going to be napoli milan this year as the the two for the title and honestly yeah, sure and and it's funny like I, I talked to uh a previous guest on the pod all the time uh, tony i uh, have alex on the in a group chat we talk about milan they don't look good playing, but they just get wins. Like they just straight by victories. They they had a one nil victory against um, Torino on on Tuesday. They won four two against Bologna, and they were down. They were drawing two two at one point. Like they just scraped by victories in the Serie A, and it doesn't make sense, but it it just happens. And for this game, actually, and I. I do see Milan winning against Roma, and the reason I see them winning is because Roma doesn't have Jose Mourinho, I believe. Yeah, because that's banned, right? I believe he's banned for the match, um, but then again, it could also end up like a draw. Uh, I can see it being 1-1, 0-0, whatever it may be. It's going to be a tight contest, but it, it really will be very impactful not having Jose on the sideline. Yeah, I agree with that. It's going to be interesting, but I I have to say uh, I have to say Milan's going to win. If he was if Mourinho was on the sideline, to be quite honest, I would pick uh, Roma to win. Yeah, not 
not because uh, because of everything you said with how Milan's played, but also, uh, you know, Roma is like getting out of the toughest part of their schedule, to be quite honest. You know, they played Juventus, they played Napoli, uh, they're going to play Milan. Like they basically played, uh, they played and they're going to play Inter in like a few match weeks in like December, but that's like a month from now. But they played three of the, uh, what I would call, even though Juventus is not technically, you know, in the standings like high up, they're three of like the four or five best teams really close to each other in like five weeks, four weeks. So you know, just looking at those results, that's the toughest part of their schedule. They get through Milan, and then after that, their schedule gets a lot easier. But I just think that they're, they're, they drew with Napoli, and then they beat Cagliari. That's building their confidence, and I, I just expected them to, to win here. But without Mourinho, I don't think so. Uh, the other game I want to talk about before we move is Lazio and Atalanta, because that's fifth versus sixth, and... Uh, they both, honestly, like, eye test, like, Alina always passes the eye test. Like, it doesn't matter. Everyone's a fun game with them. Uh, Lazio, defensively, has only conceded three goals through ten games, which is insane to me. Uh, actually, no, that's, that's, that's a joke. I misread that. Their goal difference is three. <laughs> they've, I was wondering that. I was like, really? Like, three? But they've conceded 17, so this is going to be a for sure lock to bet the over in this game, right? So, you know, they both they both have scored 18 and 20 and then conceded 12 and 17, respectively. So I just think that this is going to be a, a banger. Even if they had conceded three, Lucas, I still would have bet the over for this game because that's just how much faith I have in Atalanta. And Atalanta just scoring. It's so much fun watching them play, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Uh, uh, going on to the Premier League, the big matchup of the weekend, and uh, alluded to it earlier, Tottenham Man United. Uh, 12.30 Eastern tomorrow morning, Saturday. Uh, it's going to be a big one, um, especially because uh, Ole's, on the, Ole's uh, on the hot seat. And we'll see what will happen. Will he change the tactics, whatever tactics he even has? Will he change it up? Um, it. It, uh, I don't know, man. I'm a broken man. I'm a broken, broken man. Just talking about United, but it should be it should make up for a good matchup because two top sides, uh, Tottenham in sixth, United in seventh. Uh, Tottenham with 15, uh, United with 14, and it, two just really good sides. Um, Tottenham very good defensively. Uh, United good attacking wise, uh, prone defensively. Uh, but yeah, that should be a good one. And then the other one, other match of the week, uh, in my opinion, and you probably will agree with this, uh, Leicester versus Arsenal, uh, 7.30 a.m. Eastern Saturday, uh, big matchup. Uh, they are ninth and 10th with 14 points, but then again, from fifth place to 11th place is only, uh, it's broken up by two points. So really, it's it, it anything could happen. This is a must win for both sides. Yeah, I agree with that for sure. I mean, they've both been in a good run of form. Like Arsenal have been. Uh, I just I I mean I've I can't say that they've been aesthetically pleasing uh, at some points while watching them. Their game against Aston Villa, they were really good. I I enjoyed watching them then. I think. Uh, I think for, for Arsenal and Leicester, you know, if for them to pick up the form because they both had pretty rough starts, I'll, I expect them to go forward and to, to continue to get good results. But 
like you were saying, I mean, there's only three points, uh, really four points from 11th to fourth. So like as results go for these teams, you draw and you could consider it a good result, but you're still going to end up being like eighth or ninth or something like that. So it makes sense. Uh, I also want to give a shout to Brighton and Liverpool because, you know, Brighton have fallen off and I wasn't going to mention them, but they're still in fifth. And, yeah. uh, you know, they, for some reason, they just can't score, but defensively they've been really good. And I'm just excited to see uh, see how this plays out because, because Brighton will for sure play on the low block and, and play the counterattack. And Liverpool... Uh, I could totally see them. I could totally see this being tight, like super tight. And uh, I, but I still expect Liverpool to to win this game. Yeah, uh, I agree. Liverpool, I think they should win. Um, yeah. Of course, anything can happen, but Liverpool is home, so fully expect a result there. And then uh, for the Bundesliga, to be honest, Lucas, like I don't want to talk about the Bundesliga uh, and even league. Uh, like, I mean, there's nothing really to talk about here. Actually, on Friday, well, we're recording this podcast on Friday. PSG yeah. Brazil is today at right. uh, 3 Eastern. So that is going to be a great contest. Um, the current leaders at the top of the table, PSG, versus last year's winners. It should be a great, great match. That's a fair point. A little like our 10th this year, but I just, uh, you know, that's, that's because they got rated. Uh, they also... Yeah, they also have been trying to pick up their form. They they drew and they lost uh, the last two games, but I I think they'll pick it up. It's just it's just it's just a battle for for third, uh, well second to to fourth really, for for like Europe. That's really it for them. Nothing else. Definitely. So Lucas, let's talk about our locks of the week, shall we? Let's do it. Yeah, cool. Uh, let me go first. All right. Because this, I, I think, is very shocking in terms of the actual uh, spread. Arsenal, uh, not Arsenal, apologies. AC Milan uh, to win with a draw, no, uh, no bet, at plus 125. Oh, really? Draw, no bet? So Roma right now is actually favored. Like, they are, they are the team that... Vegas expects to win. Interesting. Yeah. AC Milan is the underdogs. Yeah, that's so interesting to me. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, that's a good bet for sure. It's there has to be some injury that we missed with with uh with Milan if they're if they're gonna be favored, but I don't think so. I don't think no, no injuries. They're they're good to go. I think it's just because AC Milan is away. It's in Rome. I think that's the only thing. No, no, I don't. Nah, no, that's a good bet. That's a good pick, Lucas. I think I think I'm gonna actually jump on that for sure. I am uh, doing it as well. Is there anything else you have you want to talk about? Tottenham also underdogs uh, at plus one eighty five at home <laughs> against United. Really? I don't know why, but I like that bet a lot because they're at home. They beat City at home. They perform well at home. Plus 185 is kind of like they're giving too much respect to United. Yeah, for sure. I agree with that. I think I think I would put more more money into the AC Milan bet. Yeah, I think so too. I think uh, one bet I really like is the Bayern Munich to win at uh, halftime, to lead at halftime against Ooh. Berlin. So that's 
On FanDuel, right, that's minus 145. So I like that bet just because I expect them to come out and just batter them. They're minus 300 to win the game. So, I mean, uh, I, I don't like that, that value necessarily yeah. because you should expect to win. But to lead at halftime, I really like. Um, another couple of bets that I want to I would like to place, right? So <laughs> it's crazy if Barcelona is minus 360. I just have to say that. Uh, Are they home or away? Uh, I think they'd be home. I think they'll be home. Let me see. They I are. Salavez, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, also, anytime goal scorer, I like Jamie Vardy against Leicester Arsenal. Even though uh, Arsenal may be expected to win, Jamie Vardy always scores against Arsenal. So, I just really like that bet for them. And he is expected to play. He had uh, some kind of injury, I think, that he was trying to work through, but he's expected to play. So, I think he would be he would be a sure uh not a sure bet, but I think he'd be a really good bet to place. I like that. Yeah, I was going to ask about his injury, um, but that's good to know that he is going to play. Two solid bets from each of us. I think uh, I think I may put uh, everything in there. So Bayern uh, halftime at minus one forty. Yeah, you have AC Milan to win with a draw, no bet at plus one twenty five. You have Tottenham to win at plus 185 and Jamie Vardy to score against Arsenal. What is that? Uh, Jamie Vardy to score against Arsenal. He's plus 110. I like that, man. I like it a lot. That's a good bet, right? I like if he if you're if you're historically a good goal scorer against the team uh, and you get plus odds, I like to I like to bet you for sure. That's like that's a no brainer. Uh, one thing I also want to tell you, Lucas, I mean, we'll, we'll talk about next week's episode, I'm sure, uh, next week, right? November 6th is the Manchester Derby, as you know, right? The odds right now for Man United, could you guess what it would be for Man United to win on FanDuel? To win. Yeah, to win. Outright win. Plus 275. No. Plus Plus 410. Wow! I know bet. Tie no bet. Even tie no bet is plus three hundred for Man United. Wow, dude! I don't know. Manchester isn't even that big of a favorite. I think it's just like they have no idea what to expect. Yeah, is only minus one fifty five to to outright win. Oh, so they're expecting a draw for the most part. Draw is even plus three hundred. So like literally, I just think they don't know what's ha- what's gonna happen. They can't. They can't. Because like if you look at the odds here for for Chelsea Burnley, where you clearly would favor Chelsea. Chelsea's minus five hundred. A draw is plus five fifty, and then a, a Burnley win is plus fourteen hundred. You know. So yeah. Uh, it's just it's just gonna be interesting to see what happens next week and how the odds change and if you know if uh if our boy gets sacked. Before we go, if he if it's no longer my boy, your boy. Okay, before we go, um, <laughs> if Man United loses to Tottenham, does yeah. he get? Yeah. You think yeah, so? Sure. Yeah. Well, I you you think he loses to Liverpool and Tottenham? He's already on the hot seat. If he loses to Tottenham, he's already he should get sacked. Like oh, they were yeah. contemplating sacking him on Monday. I think he should get sacked. I'm not sure if he will, to be honest, because I just think I just they're into that kind of pain. You know, you never know, Lucas. Yeah, yeah, that's what they do. They just like to 
cause pain. Yeah. So it's okay. much. It's okay. How do you feel? How do you feel about Brendan Rodgers if he was to take over? No, uh, <laughs> I wouldn't like. It. To be honest, uh, the only Premier League manager I would want is Grant Potter. I like him a lot. He's gonna be a good if you if you sign up. I mean, listen, your biggest problem is you can see goals like crazy too for some reason. I mean, I get it. Maguire's out of form. Luke Shaw's crazy that Luke Shaw's out of form. By the way, just had to say that because he had an incredible summer. Yeah. Uh, has to. I don't know what's going on, but yeah, something's got to change for sure. And it's definitely the manager. Yeah. It is the manager, but it won't be the manager because the owners won't do anything. No. No. All we have is them techers, and that's it. All we have is them techers, and as always, I mean, we'll just sign off and say everybody enjoy them techers. For sure. All right, guys. (laughs) Have a good one.